Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. Thank you over there. Wow. Uh, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. Well, yeah, we, we celebrate the Bible. That's good. It's a good culture to have. We're in this series called The Spirit-Filled Church, and we have two big ideas. We want to learn what it meant so that we can live what it means. We're not staring back at some museum piece saying, isn't that interesting? We want to be that, live that, do that, and word on the street is do it more. All right. So this morning we are at Acts chapter 14. We're going to pick it up at verse 8. We're going to read all the way through verse 20. Uh, If you have your Bibles open, I'm reading from the NIV. Here we go. In Lystra and Derp. And really, Derp doesn't happen yet, so really mostly Lystra. In Lystra sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul As he was speaking, Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, They shouted in their Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. (laughs) Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes. Isn't it funny? Aren't aren't ancient people silly for just making celebrities out of people? (laughs) Silly, silly ancient people. (laughs) So much more advanced than they are. Very cosmopolitan. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul they called Hermes, he was the chief speaker. The chief, the, the, the chief, pardon me, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths into the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. And what we can do is carefully build, we can extrapolate uh, a theology here and determine, therefore, that God is exceptionally kind to the Pacific Northwest. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, spread it around, Lord. Uh, He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, 
he got up. And he went back into the city. The next day, he and Barney left for dinner. The spirit-filled church gets back In verses 8 through 10, the first thing Luke tells us about Lystra is that there was there a man who was lame, and he was born that way. He had never walked. Luke is setting the reader up to anticipate what we have seen before. Acts chapter 3, healing of the man at, gate, at the gate beautiful. So as Luke's readers, we are expecting a miracle. But he sets the condition as starkly and as bluntly as possible. Lame from birth, never walked. He listened to Paul, and Paul looked at him with a fixed gaze. He looked directly at him in the NIV. He fastened his eyes on him, some translations. Remember how Luke loves to highlight the fixed gaze of faith. It's something that I can't get away from as one of, the, one of the minor themes in the book of Acts. There is something about focus and faith. There is something about directing our attention, directing our expectation, focusing our affections at someone. Focusing our affection on their condition, on their need. Not looking away, not looking over, not looking around them, but aiming our faith directly at them in loving focus. Paul saw that the man had faith to be healed. Well, what did he see? Was he wearing a faithometer? That would be great to have one of those. What does that look like? Well, there's nothing in the text. There's nothing in the text that tells us what he saw, just that he saw it. And we're, we are left to believe or to infer that this is something the Holy Spirit helped him to see. And perhaps this combined with some eagerness or openness on the man's countenance. Maybe it's not, it wasn't that hard to see faith because maybe faith isn't that hard. So he looks and he sees that the man has faith to be healed and he calls out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hang on just a minute. i got to find somebody who goes to this church. Uh, at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. They've got spirit. How about you? <laughs> We've got more. We've got more. No formula. 
He didn't hand him his paperback that said seven steps to standing back up. No secrets of jumping. Just faith and obedience. He jumped up and he walked. He had never done either. He would have had atrophied muscles. He would have had tightened tendons. He would have had no balance, no frame of reference for walking, let alone jumping. Paul told this man, take a deep breath here. Paul told this man to start doing what he had never and could never have done before. This is not about willpower. This is not about trying harder. This man did not achieve healing. He didn't earn healing. He didn't work up. He didn't acquire it. It did not come from within him or within his efforts or within his, 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 he couldn't, he did not conjure up healing. Healing happened to him. Healing happened to him and then he lived differently because he was different. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. The grace of God is something that happens to us. And then we live differently because we have been made different. Apparently, it doesn't matter if you have been one way your whole life. Apparently, it doesn't even matter if you were born that way. Healing happens to you. Grace happens to you. Righteousness happens to you. Redemption happens to you. Restoration happens to you. Salvation happens to you. And you begin to live differently because you are different. If you will only believe the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will happen to you. And you will live differently because you will be different. Verses 11 and thir- through 13, the crowd sees this and, they th- and thinks that Zeus and Hermes have come to visit. Many years before this episode, so the historians tell us, there was a legend The legend of Zeus and Hermes. The legend of Jupiter and Mercury. Their Roman counterparts. This legend says that many years before this, Zeus and Hermes came to visit Lystra and the surrounding area. And they came and disguised themselves in modest attire. Dressed as paupers, they came and sought lodging. And they went from house to house looking for someone to take them in, but there was no room at the inn. And finally they came to one house of a kindly elderly couple who let them into their home. And Zeus, in response to their hospitality, turned their home into 
a temple. Yeah, that's what it says. Into, into a temple. And in response to all of those who did not open their home, he burned all the rest of the houses. <laughs> Silly people love to try to find analogs and locations for the gospel stories in Roman and Greek myth, but they just don't line up. The manger didn't turn into a temple. Well, not exactly. It was still a manger, even though if I got in there, you know I'd roll around everywhere trying to soak it all up. I would, I would, I would just, I would just soak it up, start taking things off and roll around. Oh. <laughs> I know, people that, my team's like, keep going, don't let them say that out loud. People will never come back to church. Oh. Lystra did not want to make the same mistake as last time. So they brought out the bulls and the wreaths to honor. And Paul and Barney, in verses 14 through 18, Paul and Barney, they tear their garments in desperation to demonstrate how wrong it is to worship them. Paul and Barnabas could have reasoned that this could have been an opportunity. They could have reasoned that this was a platform to make their message and their ministry more relatable and more influential. They could have accommodated, adapted, seized it. Co-op. Instead, they shun popularity and celebrity by tearing their clothes. It's too bad that sometimes those in this same position embrace celebrity and decide to, de to don designer clothes. Or make Instagrams about their shoes. I don't. It, it's got weird. <laughs> Paul responds with a message and Luke supplies us with the main points. His message is this. Stop. We are bringing you good news. Turn from worthless things to the living God. And then he affirms them that God has witnessed his providence to them both in creation and in their own hearts. But they could barely restrain the crowd's praise. So then in verse 19, Jews from Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, and Iconium came and won the crowd over. They seem to have come with an agenda to finish what they started in verse 5 of chapter 14. Remember with their, last week there was a plot afoot to stone Paul. But they heard about it and got away. Well, now they've arrived at Lystra. And they've won the crowd over. And the crowd reacts with violence against Paul. Note that the same crowd wanted to worship him a couple sentences ago. And now they want to kill him. Never trust the crowds. The applause from the crowd can quickly become the attack from the crowd. Love them. Do not seek their love. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. This verse is heartbreaking. It is shocking. Too easily do we read it 
in hindsight quickly because we know the rest of the story. We know how things wind up. So we read these words and just keep going. But if we read them in real time, if we try to step in to that moment, imagine the horror. Imagine the violence and the fear and the pain. Vicious words become violent actions. The crowd hastily gathered stones, clutched them in their angry hands, and in a fear-inspired frenzy, they hurl them at Paul. And then fear gives way to hate, as it always does, and they hurl rocks at Paul's flesh again and again. Did, did, did he plead with them? Did he try to reason with them? Did he pray for God's hand to help him? Did he think that maybe God had forsaken him? Did he, maybe, was he able to remember the face of Stephen? Stones being hurled at him as he was martyred for his faith in Jesus. Did he remember that moment and remember that it was he himself who stood approving and even authorizing this execution? Did he think for a moment, well, this is what I get. Have you ever thought, well, this is what I get? In the midst of this, I have to ask myself, do I have it? Have I ever had it this hard? Has my witness for Christ ever cost me this? Do I complain over much, much less? What would I have done? To, imagine, to, to answer that question requires me to imagine it happening, and I don't care to. What would I have done? What would I have been thinking? What would I have been feeling? Well, whatever Paul was thinking, whatever Paul was feeling, it stopped. As stones struck him repeatedly, everything went dark. His murderous attackers, seeing him fallen, supposing him dead, drug him out of the city. They drug him out to avoid any trouble with the Romans. Can't have any unauthorized executions. So like a messy mob hit, now they get rid of the body. But he's not carried out. He's drug out like a dead dog over the rocks, through the dust and the dirt, and then he's left there. 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 There, there we can imagine Satan saying, there, there, it's over. So much for the work that the Holy Spirit called him to. He's bruised, he's broken, he's bloodied. And he's been dragged and tossed out of town and left for dead. Maybe this time his hurt will be bad enough for him to quit.
maybe he will give up. Maybe he'll die. Maybe he will just stay down. Satan's greatest dream is that you will just stay down. But, verse 20, but after the disciples gathered around him, he got back up. Was Paul dead? Well, we don't know. He may not have been dead, but he was down hard enough that you could not tell the difference. You don't have to be dead to be down. You don't have to be dead to have the taste of dust and dirt fresh in your mouth, to have the pain of heartache or rejection or disappointment or confusion weighing upon you. You don't have to be dead to be down. We don't know if he was dead or mostly dead. I just love fellow dads in the room. They make me happy. <laughs> what we do know is that he got back up. He got back up and went right back into the city. This was both great courage and great compassion. He went right back to the place from which he'd just been dragged out of like a corpse. Here is a question this morning. What do you do after you're beaten? After you're bruised? After you're bloodied? After you're left for dead? What do you do when you find yourself face down in the dust and the dirt? What do you do when you find your Self fallen. You don't pretend away your pain. You don't pretend you're not down. You don't deny that you're down. Well, I can't be down here. After all, I'm, you know, whatever. I have a responsibility, a role, a title, a position, a perception, an image. Barely muffled words come out. After all, I'm the Apostle Paul. <laughs> you don't deny that you're down. You don't pretend away your pain. What do you do when you find yourself fallen? You get back up. This is a message for the fallen. You can get back up. God has not left you. You may be struck down, but you are not destroyed. You may, you may feel defeated, but defeat is not your destiny. You may have failed, but your failure is not final. You may have been hurt, but you are not without hope or healing. You can get back up. You can get back up from failure and, or from sin or from rejection or disappointment or discouragement or betrayal or a bad report. 
You can even get back up from lethargy. Some folks need to get back up because you've fallen asleep. But you can get back up today. God is with you. God will help you. God will strengthen you. It is not over. But there's more. Paul did not arise alone. He did not get back up by himself. The disciples gathered around him, and then he got back up. He was surrounded. He was surrounded by us. The disciples gathered around him. We aren't told exactly what they did. Whether they prayed for him or laid hands on him or prayed in the spirit. That's what I would have done. That's all I would have known how to do. Or they prophesied that they speak life over him. That's what Meg would have done. Did they weep over his wounds? They just worship the Lord. We don't know what they did, but what we do know is that they gathered around him. We know that the believers surrounded the fallen, and the fallen got back up. This is a message to the church as much as it is to the fallen. The disciples must surround the fallen, not stand around while they're down. But take our stand around them when they're down. We surround them until they get back up. We surround them until they get back up. Well, what if they don't get back up? I do not want that to be an option. If you are fallen, hear this. We have you surrounded. You will be all right. We are praying for you. And we will even stand for you. Sometimes you have to stand with them. Sometimes you stand for them. We will not give up on you. We will stay here until you stand. Get back up. This passage begins and ends with someone getting up. It begins as healing happens to one who had never stood, and then he was never the same again. And it ends as strength and life come into one who was fallen, and he got back up. But neither of them arose alone. Neither of them conjured their own strength. Neither of them grabbed onto their own bootstraps. You are not alone. And it is time to get up. Could I have you bow your heads across this house? Whether it is for the first time,
or whether it's just been a long time. If you're here this morning and you, you, you may need, it may be time, you need to stand. It's time for you to stand. Perhaps you know the Holy Spirit is prompting your heart today that God sees faith begin to rise in your heart to become or to do or to be what you haven't been before. Irrespective of what you haven't been or haven't done, the grace of God is happening to you today. For you to leave what was behind and to arise. Some of you this morning still have the the taste of dust in your mouth. Still taste the dirt of disappointment, of rejection or pain or failure. Or circumstances that have been overwhelming. And you need to rise. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to challenge and ask you this morning to stand. If you need to rise, stand. Stand if the Lord is challenging you, inviting you to, to, to start a new, a new path, a new thing, to become what you haven't before. But it's, it's enough. What's behind you is enough. Stand. If the dirt and the pain of disappointment or circumstance has been overwhelming and it's time for you to stand, rise. Rise. Let the grace of God happen to you this morning. Rise. Right where you are, take your stand. Stand up. God, the Holy Spirit is ministering. Yeah. Yes. Let the grace of God happen to you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ happen to you. Now, those who are standing, this is not to embarrass anybody, but now there are people around you now that are standing up. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather around them. Don't counsel. Don't yammer. Don't do things like that. Don't ask them their life story. Just just know, let them know that you're there. Place a respectful hand on their shoulder. Don't breathe in their face. Just know that you, let them know you're right there. Find somebody. And listen, I don't mean one or two. They need to know they're surrounded. Let, let, they need to know that they don't have any, they don't have any hope of going down. Surround them. Make sure anybody that's standing alone, surround them. Look around. Find them. Begin to pray life over them. Just pray. Just speak the name of Jesus. You may not. You don't have to be skilled. All you need to do is speak the name of Jesus over them. Just speak the grace of Jesus Christ over them. Speak life. Speak hope. Speak grace. We don't know what they prayed over Paul. We just know that they were there. Let the grace of Jesus Christ flow through you this morning. You are surrounded. You are surrounded. Release. Let grace flow through you. Let life flow through you into people around you.